How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Board and Browsing Podcast. I am your host, Danny, and just like my lingering depression and anxiety, I am joined by Samson and Sean. Howdy. Hi. Yeah, what's up, boys? It's been a little bit. How you guys doing? You know. (laughs) I mean, yeah. How has these next few weeks of quarantine been treating you, at least in compared to, like, the first few? Um... You know, not having much of a set schedule because, you know, this public school's closed, so I can't be student teaching. I might have mentioned that last time. I don't really remember. But uh, that means that I have no structure to my days, which is a little bit destructive. But we're surviving. <laughs> we're getting work done. I actually uh, just just the other day had a meeting with my mentor teacher and my university mentor, and it was pretty much like our last, uh, you know, three-person Zoom meeting Kind of saying like, yeah, uh, we think you're ready to teach. So that was pretty cool. That was a nice thing. That is cool. Congratulations. But it's still a little bit funny because it's like, uh, I think we have to sign this in person. So we'll figure something out at some point. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Samson? Um, it's been going okay. I've been like trying to give myself things to do every day. I'm I'm uh, doing some writing and uh. I'm trying to watch one movie every day to, to try to improve my, my writing. Um, so I got a, I like I got a lot to talk about. <laughs> How about you, <laughs> Danny? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's kind of hilarious, but I've just been playing a lot of like day to day life kind of simulators. <laughs> um, cause I've been playing an insane amount of animal crossing, which is all like based on day to day where there's set activities for each day and then like that kind of thing. And then I've been playing persona five Royal, which I wound up buying because I'm just sitting alone at home, so I was like, fuck it. Um, but that game is also, like, every single day you have limited activities to do, and you're following a schedule as this person goes through school. So I guess I'm trying to put structure and scheduling in my life, but <laughs> only doing it through video games. Nice. So, yeah. But all right, why don't we get started with some news? So for this week, uh, I discovered that the show Dead to Me is coming back for a second season. And not only is it coming back for a second season, that second season is airing on May 8th. So if you don't know the show, it's um, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. Uh, The two of them have to go to like grief counseling for deaths that have happened in their lives and become really fast friends and just wind up living this weird entangled tale of like one person connected to the other person's life and previous experiences and is now having like direct consequences and what's going on in their current lives and everything that's been happening because of this grief is connected to the other one so it's just like the two of them are weaving in and out of their current lives and have also caused issues in the past because of their actions so it's a super like super funny show i really do recommend it Cool. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. No, it it, it like I I was initially skeptical, but um Christina Applegate's seriousness combined with Linda Cardellini's I'm going to be a hippie and also like so freaking nervous about everything is just it's a great <laughs> dynamic. So I I really like the two actresses. They're doing a great job. Definitely recommend checking it out and check out the second season on May 8th. Um, next bit of news. So Ant-Man 3 has found its writer, which is Jeff Loveness, who is the writer for Rick and Morty. 
Really? Or one of the writers of Rick and Morty. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I really like the first two Ant-Mans. I don't know how you guys feel about Ant-Man. I liked the first one a lot, and I thought the second one was not so great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. Why, why didn't you like the second one? Because I really like the second one, too. My biggest thing with the second one was that it felt as if they were like, oh, here's this. Well, it felt like they had a couple characters that they were like, wow, this character's been here the whole time. And I was like, no, they haven't. Then they were like, no, 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 no. This character has a lot of backstory. Trust me. Uh, And then so a lot of the conflict in it didn't feel very important to me. You know, Mm -hmm. like um, it it, it just I was kind of like, I haven't seen any of these characters, the uh, the antagonists, at least ant agonists, the ant agonists. (laughs) I haven't seen any of these antagonists before, so I don't have much of a connection to them. So this conflict doesn't feel quite as important, I guess. Okay, that makes sense. I, I felt like the the pacing was really bizarre, and the um, the stakes they brought in, like Sean said, were were really strange because of the way they introduced characters that like had never been there. But they're like, oh, this character, yeah, this character goes way back. Um, it's like, oh, this is my old partner who I talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like I'm a, I'm I'm a big rival with, and it's like, wait, hold up. Okay, yeah, so and like, I, I get that then. Yeah, they. I feel like they used, like, exposition instead of, like, actual scenes to build relationships. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they expositioned away um, character relationships, which, okay. which isn't great. Well, because I know from the comics that Bill Foster is, um, like, has been Hank Pym's partner in the past, and he actually became a superhero called Goliath. So I, I guess because I know comics, I understood why they kind of yada yada some of the backstory. But I guess from someone who doesn't understand Ant-Man comics or hasn't read them, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm still disappointed in the fact that they, like, use, they shoehorn the quantum verse in at, like, the end of the first movie, and then they made it the central plot, and then it became, like, the core plot for how anything got done in Endgame. Yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not happy about that, but hopefully there's a little bit more explanation to, like, Michelle Pfeiffer's, ooh, I can touch you, and now you're better. Like, I don't know. Forgot about that. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I really didn't like Ant-Man, too, <laughs> it had talk some about moments. it. Ant-Man definitely had some moments, like um, Luis Pena explaining, like, all of his connections. Oh, yeah. that Like, that was the best part of the movie, for sure. And I thought Giant yeah. Man was pretty fun. Yeah. Well, it, I, it, it, well I'll give Ant... Uh, the, the fight scenes, I think, are always pretty interesting yeah. in uh, the Ant-Man movies. And so yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to more in the third. Sorry, Samson, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. you're good. Uh, I was going to say what, what hurt me the most about um, Ant-Man was I really love Walton Goggins, and I can't believe that, like... He finally got into a Marvel movie and he played a villain, which is super cool. And they just completely wasted the opportunity. Like yeah. he's such a good actor, and I feel like they completely wasted their opportunity to do something cool with Walton Goggins. Yeah, there was definitely a moment where I remembered, like, oh yeah, this is the C plot that's currently going on. Like, why is this still a thing that's happening in the movie? Yeah, 
And that and that's also what I got confused. Like it was just like so convoluted. And oh, again, that just like guy. Pacing. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you've ever seen Vice Principals. I know I never shut up about no. Danny. Yeah, Bride, I have but seen like, Vice Principals. Um, he's so goddamn good in Vice Principals, and he's really great in The Hateful Eight too. If you've ever seen that, um, but he's just such a talented actor, and he plays like unlikable characters so well, um, in such a likable way, um, or sympathetic way that like I feel like they just made him one of the most generic villains I've ever seen in a superhero movie before and just kind of threw him to the side. Yeah. Well, which sucked. I mean, they didn't even give his character like a, a big name in the comics. Like, like he, he doesn't correlate to anyone actually important in the Marvel universe. I think he was just meant to be like a fake kind of, Oh yeah. Side villain. But I, I get what you're saying. Actually, the more you guys are talking about, it, the more I'm like realizing the grievances with this movie, uh, which is unfortunate, but I, I still think it had a <laughs> Sorry, lot of really Danny. good parts to it. Like, I, I love size changing. I think everything they did with size changing in both movies was executed very well. And, you know, I, I should clarify that while I didn't think Ant-Man and the Wasp was a particularly great movie, I did enjoy it. That's, I think, something uh, that I don't want to misrepresent, I suppose, that I, I definitely still, in, I would say that overall I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Um, because I also think that coming into Ant-Man 2, I wasn't really expecting, you know, something of huge, utter importance or, like, something particularly meaningful. Yeah. Uh, because it was, you know, it's, it's it was kind of like, you know, Ant-Man 1 sort of existed as kind of... Not, God, that was it. Sort of existed as kind of really dumb lead up to that <laughs> sentence. Ant-Man 1 sort of stood apart from the rest of the Marvel movies. You know, it was kind of just to get him in there for Civil War. And so I was expecting something like that again for Ant-Man and the Wasp, which it kind of was because it was kind of supposed to be like, as you said, the introduction to uh, the Quantumverse or whatever the specific name for no, it is. No, it was Quantumverse. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, I think Ant-Man is a very lighthearted character, especially Scott Pym or uh, Scott Lang. Uh, Hank Pym's a more serious character. Like in the comics, he beat his wife. And that's like a major Ooh. plot point for him where he gets kicked out of the Avengers because of it creates Ultron. And then his life just really goes downhill from there. So, yeah, I could see how creating a homicidal murder bot would maybe uh would maybe contribute to some yeah <laughs> some downfall. Which also makes it more interesting that they used Ultron so early and as a product of Tony Stark and Bruce Banner rather than Hank Pym. Because I guess they like had these two established characters and wanted to give some villain qualities to Iron Man before they broke off for Civil War. Uh, sorry about that. We had to do a quick cut just to kind of change our recording situation. Uh, Samson was lagging out, so we switched over to a different voice chat. Hey. But uh, yeah, he's back. Um, we're going to give our final thoughts on Ant-Man and Marvel, and then we're just going to cut to the next bit of news because we talked on this for a little bit. Um, my final thoughts, Ant-Man is a fun character. I'm curious what they're going to do for the third movie. I think... Uh, it's weird that they replaced Robert Downey Jr. with Hank Pym, but then again, if they don't want to do physical beatings, makes a lot of sense why they put in that character instead. Um, so they shoehorn alcoholism instead of uh, abusing family members. But yeah, I liked Ant-Man. I liked Ant-Man too. I think they're good movies, and they're really fun. So yeah. Yeah, on my end, oh, it was a little too close to the mic there, but I thought... Uh, Ant-Man, I liked Ant-Man 1 a lot, and I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 
uh, I thought was enjoyable, but not necessarily the best movie. I think it was one of the weaker Marvel movies in terms of uh, plot and pacing, perhaps. Uh, but still, definitely something I enjoyed watching, and I think that most Marvel fans would enjoy it, too. Maybe not the one to choose, though, if you're not big into the MCU. Yeah, I, I highly recommend uh, Ant-Man 1. Great superhero heist movie. Um, oh yeah, I'd say I'd say watch Ant Man and the Wasp um, and form your own opinion. I, I I do have to admit, part of the reason I might hate it is because I had Movie Pass and I went to see it in the theaters with Movie Pass, and uh, Movie Pass crashed the day I went to see it, and I had to pay fifteen dollars <laughs> to see it um, instead oh, of seeing it for movie free. Pass. <laughs> so um, I'm still salty, and uh, that that could play a part in why I hate that movie so much. So. Watch it form your own opinion. I miss MoviePass. MoviePass was so much fun to have. It like, was. I was seeing movies constantly that summer. Yeah, I saw, like, everything that came out, even if I didn't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, because it was a waste of money not to go to the yeah, movies. I miss MoviePass so much. It was weird. All right, um, but moving on, next bit of news. So Kevin Smith um, was talking about some of his scrapped projects that he was going to work on for Disney+. And uh, one of the one that actually really stood out to me was The Kingdom Keepers. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this book series, um, but basically what it was is five or six kids um, were created as, like, holographic animatronics in the Disney parks, right? So Disney spent a bunch of, like, holographic technology to make them as, like, guides for the park for guest experiences. So you can, like, hire the animatronic guide, and it would take you around the park and give explanations, and it was, like, super really cool stuff. However, the side effect of that was at night when these characters went to bed they accidentally got transported to their holographic bodies and were in the parks at night only to discover that every single creature comes alive at night. So it's kind of very vaguely like Disney Westworld. <laughs> I was going to say it's closer to Night at the Museum. Oh. I was thinking Five Nights at Freddy's. So <laughs> Wait, but so... Kind of, yeah. So what I'm trying to get a grasp on here, they created these robots... And do it's like holographic AI technology. So, but are those AI conscious? So, no, no they're not. Because that, that's what like I was the kids, you were saying. Yeah, the kids recorded all of the lines for it. They're actors. Okay. Yeah, so they recorded all of the lines for these uh, holographic tour guides. And then the tour guides are then placed in the parks and people can use them hmm. if they want. Fascinating. Yeah. So when they come alive at night, they, they realize, like, all this crazy shit is happening and, like, the park, like, they need help to uh, take down Maleficent, who, of course, is the huge big bad of all of Disney, apparently. Naturally. Um, uh, I mean, according to Kingdom Hearts, that's she's the <laughs> biggest Disney villain. Um, and as but, yeah, we no, all it was know, a, Kingdom Hearts is essentially the Bible 2.0. Yeah, that's new, what I was New thinking. Testament, yeah. Yeah. It's got a lot of parts, kind of like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it was just super interesting that they were doing this series because it was a book series I loved. And that because it was like, you have to film in the parks to do this, right? Like a core part of this movie is that you are going on the rides and you are experiencing everything in Disney World. And because of, sorry, uh, I got to pause mine because my parents just came home and the alarm's going off. Let me start over. Um, So the core part of these movies is that you are in the parks, right? Mm. You are in Disney World experiencing it at night with all these characters with um, all of the Disney characters in the park. So because of how expensive it would have been to film 
and how much they would have lost business at Disney World, the monetary cost of this project was ridiculous. They had to scrap it, even though, like, Kevin Smith, this was his passion project. He was really working on it for a long time. It was a great script. Uh, They scrapped it, which actually made way for all of the Marvel TV shows coming to Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. Wow. So that's how big a budget that show was going to have. Damn. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty cool, though. It makes a lot of I, I really see why it was canceled, though, because, yeah, ha- having to film things at the Disney parks, I, like, as you said, that that must have cost, it and just, it would have been crazy mm-hmm. to do that. Not only that, but it had to be at night. Yeah, and then if it wasn't... Because the AI didn't take over during the day. And, and then if it wasn't super successful, oh my god. <laughs> that mm-hmm. would have been, been a nightmare. It's also, like, it's not a terribly popular book series. Yeah, I've never like heard it, of it. Enough people know about it, but it's not, like, a Hunger Games-level book or a Harry Potter-level book. Like, you're not going to draw in the same amount of crowd as you would for, like, Marvel and Star Wars TV shows. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though, that, like, Kevin Smith said it, there, there's a chance they could eventually come back to it, but... I don't know. It, I'm glad they at least had it on their radar because it was a series I would have loved to have seen. Yeah, that sounds like it would have been pretty interesting, but, you know, I, I definitely understand why they couldn't do it. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Disney+, Plus, Artemis Fowl is actually being pulled from theaters and going directly to the Disney Plus streaming service. Now, is that because of expected commercial failure or is that because they think it's a better move for Disney+, Plus? that's what I'm wondering. They being Disney, I suppose. I think it's due to the coronavirus. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I think I think the movie was supposed to either come out or is coming out pretty soon, and they decided it would be better to put it in a different spot. They're like air it in a different time. So is this is this the first one, the first Artemis Fowl movie to be made? Yes, yeah. I think so. I remember hearing about this a while ago, but then not hearing anything about it for a while. So I couldn't remember if that was hearing about like a first movie or if that was hearing about this movie that's only now uh, happening. I, I read the Artemis Fowl books a lot, um, but I don't remember them well enough to be necessarily hype about this, you know? Yeah, I, I remember the books, but I didn't really enjoy them that much, honestly. I remember liking the first one, but it's it's not up there as like my like, whoa, like, oh, my God, thank goodness they're remaking that or making that into a movie, you know. So maybe like actually, though, come to think of it, if it's just on Disney Plus, I don't think I would have seen it in theaters. So maybe I'll actually watch it if it's on Disney Plus. Not that I have Disney Plus, but, you know, like my roommate do my roommate do <laughs> my roommate do <laughs> that it what they say. They think it don't be like it is. <laughs> But it do. No, I, I think I think it was a combination of Corona's causing major issues for theaters. I was reading a statistic that said last March, so March of 2019, um, movies all across the world made about two hundred nine trillion dollars in March. This year, in March, they made five thousand. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's really bad. So that's like major releases were coming out, and now none of that move, like none of that money's going anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised because the first week in March, at least around here, was pretty normal. Still, there was starting to be that sense of like, well, maybe, maybe we should start doing things differently. 
Yeah. But so they really, I guess there was only that first week because by the second week, that's when people were starting to be like, oh, wait a minute. This is here now. This is like starting yeah. to spread, at least in, in you know, the Northeast because other parts of the country, it's, you know, a delayed timeline or a different timeline. So that probably wasn't exactly the same for them. But uh, yeah, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised, but <laughs> but it's no, it's my, my thoughts are. They're using this as a test method, right? So if they put Artemis Fowl on their service and it does well, it gets a lot of views, they're going to start moving more of their movies onto the streaming service, like directly instead of going to theaters. Because right now, no one is going to be spending money at movie theaters. And I honestly believe that when quarantine is over, they're not even going to head to movie theaters first because of how much like people need to save money and how high the unemployment rate currently is. So I think this is a test run to see whether or not people will tune into it. Also, they might want to try and charge some money for it. Like you have to put you have to pay a premium to see a movie that would have been out in theaters, but now it's on our service. So you pay like an extra five bucks and you get to watch the movie kind of like iTunes. Hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think they should do something like that, though, because a lot of people did work on this and that way they can make some of their money back. Yeah, I was about to say, because I don't, I don't see how they could possibly make their money back otherwise, you know, because yeah. it's not getting that... There's no additional payment for being on Disney+, Plus as opposed to being in the movie theater where there's ticket sales and, you know, that... Is that the... Wait, what else do movies make money from? Ticket sales? Oh, and, like, DVD Concessions. sales. Concessions as well. Concessions um, is the major... Um, money. Well, I'm talking about uh, the movies themselves, not the movie theater. Uh, Well, marketing, advertising, uh, putting up posters. Oh, yeah, that's Um, another thing that's going to be a trouble. You can't, like, do toy sales when nobody's leaving the house, so. Yeah, that's a good point. All the Artemis Fowl action figures are probably going to go pretty unpurchased. All eight of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, like, him in a different pose for each one. There we go. One of the it's collector's edition, Danny. <laughs> the Artemis Fowl collector's Gotta collect edition. Gotta collect them all. Oh, jeez, Sansa, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I'm kind of torn. Like, I I really, I'm pretty big on like things being released in theaters. Um, I I know I've talked about this before, so I won't go too into it. But like, I just love that feeling of watching a movie with other people and like on that big screen. Um, but I get that like for this. For what's going on right now, this is probably kind of necessary, um, and I'm torn because I, I, I'm so stingy. I I would be kind of mad if I was paying for Disney Plus and they were like, pay five dollars to see you know Mulan, live action Mulan, um, because it would have been in theaters. Um, but at the same time, like I I do think that like the people that worked on this movie like deserve you know deserve money and profit for their hard work especially like the people that maybe did you know like the best boy and like those kind of positions and like the gaffer and all that kind of stuff um yeah those those people especially deserve um profit for for their hard work i'm not also sure how like real quick money distribution works in those situations i'm sure they're getting paid what what is a best boy well they're better than the good boy yeah I mean, yeah, but why? Best Boy does something with like, ah, uh, what is it? Um, I have no idea. I've never it's heard like of this term. Rip related, I want to say. Um, oh no. 
Yeah, best boy grip is one of the positions. So there's a best boy electric and a best boy grip. They are assistants to their department heads, the gaffer and the key grip, respectively. Who are, of course, the goodest boys. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the chain of command. Huh. Yeah, I hope, you know, what a world this would be if the best boys don't get their their due, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, who's going to sit through the credits of something on a streaming service? Exactly. No one. Like, in movies, you sit through a Marvel credit because you know there's going to be a cutscene at the end. Like, you don't have to read the titles, but at least, like, they know their name is getting out there. Yeah, and even yeah. when there's no after credit scene, I have to spend a while kind of brushing all the popcorn off my stomach and, oh my God, and yeah. refinding my shoes because I take my shoes and socks off whenever I watch a movie. Uh, that makes you the worst kind of person. I'm not sure what you're talking about. How else? You take your shoes and socks off. How you, else are you, you supposed are, to scratch your toes? Do you do that on airplanes, too? Well, yeah. Oh, I don't buddy. mean to say there's there's a TV on airplanes, Danny. If I'm going to be watching a movie, of course my socks are coming off. What kind of oh, that's question just is it. It's just as soon as there's a movie, your socks come off. Yeah, I mean, we have a video chat going right now. I'm not wearing any socks. You want to see my feet? I'd rather not. There they are. Show those oh, there's feet. Oh, look at those toes. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Wiggly. And if you're wearing shoes and socks, you can't wiggle toes like that. And now I know what you're thinking. Sean, has no one ever been like, what's that smell? What's going on? Well, that's just an ignorant question. My feet smell great. And they make they the movie experience better for everybody else. Shoes that you can wiggle your feet? Sandals. <sighs> but then I'd have to be someone who wears sandals. And if I'm wearing sandals, I have to have socks on. You know, <laughs> this whole conversation is just going in a loop right now. I also just burped into the mic a tiny bit. so that <laughs> Wearing sandals is like just wearing a bra and nothing else. It's just restricting just enough that it's unpleasant still. Yeah. I, I'm speaking from experience because I oh. wear bras all the time. Obviously. Oh, yeah. I think that's the best comparison I've ever heard for sandals. Like, no, I've never heard anyone really compare sandals to anything other than, like, the type of person who would be wearing it. Yeah, a a hunk. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. I'm not that, I'm not that masculine. You know, I'm not that impressive. Their feet are so muscular they have to be contained by the sandal. (laughs) Yeah, it's just straps of, like, bulletproof, what's that, Kevlar? It's the only thing that can contain those feet. Jesus. All right. (laughs) Moving on to, I guess, like muscular force. I don't know. Uh, Space Force. The TV show is going to be coming out May 29th. So this is Greg Daniels other show that he's been working on with Steve Carell, Lisa Kudrow, John Malkovich. And it's, I think, supposed to be a parody of Trump's Space Force. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It looks really good so far. It's got other big names, but those were the three that like stood out and I was able to write down on my paper. Um, but it, it's got it, it looks really, really good. I'm very excited for this show. That sounds pretty entertaining. I, I love Steve Carell. So, you know, yeah, I'm What's here it for premiering on. It's going to be premiering on Netflix. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Interesting. Gotcha. Do, yeah. When did you say that was again? It's going to be May 29th. That's my birthday. Oh, my God. Wow. What a special time for a special boy. So now while I'm sitting alone in my apartment, I can have someone to to have, celebrate my birthday with. And it's going to be Steve Carell and John Malkovich and the other person you named. Lisa Kudrow. I don't know who that is. She played Phoebe on Friends. Oh, never watched Friends. 
Wait, you never watch Friends? No, I... Why watch something that describes an experience you'll never have? <laughs> Danny, like, how do you like Friends? I It had its moments. There were some episodes that are, like, really stellar. Um, and there's some characters that are great. And then others that you're like, oh, <laughs> it's you. Like, Chandler, when the actor... Um, was on like heavy cocaine and couldn't remember any of the filming was hilarious. <laughs> I feel like most people wouldn't put that as as a high point of the show. Well, that like you can tell like when he started gaining weight because he stopped doing cocaine. Oh, wait. So this is a do cocaine PSA? <laughs> if you want to lose weight, I'm Danny and I support actors Oh, just, that's it? You support <laughs> actors? Yes. I thought my video froze. Yes, same. I was no, like, uh-oh. No. Oh, we're I just support actors. Trouble again. Well, that's good. <laughs> I, I actually actively don't support actors. You know? I'm, Aren't I'm, you an actor? Exactly. Ah. If I were to support other actors, that's like saying, hey, take my job. Take my money. Why don't you? No, I want all other actors to fail so that I will eventually be the only actor. And I don't even care that I'm not interested in, in film acting, that I'm more of a stage actor. No, cancel all movies, make people come back to the theaters, like the, not the movie theaters, I'm talking about the real OG theaters, the Globe Theater. I'm talking Shakespeare. I'm talking standing room only. I'm talking the rich people get to have seats in the upper levels in the balconies, but the poor people have to go stand in the mud. That's what I'm talking about. Sure, yeah. And that is how it should be. <laughs> Makes sense. Welcome to How It Should Be with Sean McGarry, a new podcast starting right now where I tell you about how it should be. Number cool. one, no shoes, no socks, all the service. Right. Um, <laughs> so moving on, uh, James Gunn has actually been talking about what the scrapped plot for the third Scooby-Doo live-action movie would have been. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys have seen the live-action Scooby-Doo. Oh, it's of course. Hilarious. They were me and my sister's favorite movies growing up. Oh, my up. God. We'd watch um, them over and over again. First off, didn't realize until pretty recently it was written by James Gunn. Neither did I. Yeah. makes it so much better. Um, and then second, this plot that he's describing is ridiculous. The Mystery Inc. gang are hired by a town in Scotland who complain they're being plagued by monsters. But we discover throughout the film the monsters are actually the victims and Scooby and Shaggy have to come to terms with their own prejudices and narrow belief system. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? And that is... Word for wow. word from James Gunn, what the plot would have been for the third wow. live action Scooby. That would have movie. been so much better than the second one. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I see. I like the second one is like so good. I love. I love Scooby Doo too. Monsters Unleashed so much more than the first one. Like, wait, is the like second what, double check? Is the second one the one where they're at the island? No, no, no that's, that's the first, first one. one. That's the first one. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, wait, one. I take it back. Strong. The the yeah. island one is weird. Oh, yeah. I love I love Monsters Unleashed one when where they bring up back all the monsters though yeah that movie is like perfect um, and I I think that could have been better than number I think that could have been better than Scooby Doo too I I thought when you were describing it I thought you were gonna say that they go to Scotland to find the monsters but find that the monsters are actually just Scottish people that no one can <laughs> understand I mean technically <laughs> they are. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, they could. Oh my god. Yeah, who would have expected that um that that Scooby-Doo 3 directed by James Gunn was actually going to be about prejudice? Yeah. <laughs> they should do a Logan-style reboot of the series. Oh my oh, god. And still make that. I mean, they still have a ton of TV shows for it. That's true. I They so, use a lot of the vo- the the actors and stuff still too, right? Yeah. So I um I actually it was like two years ago at this point, but my roommates and I we were just kind of browsing um YouTube went were down you, one of were those you spirals. Also bored? Yeah, yeah, we were bored and browsing YouTube. <laughs> um, and we went down one of those spirals, and we started watching, and it's literally a compilation. It's like five full videos, like in total, maybe about two hours long, where it just highlights all of the moments in the newer Scooby Doo TV show which focus on Daphne and Fred's relationship. <laughs> All right. And it's two hours of it. And some of the stuff that Fred says in the beginning is unbelievably hilarious. They ask, like, what are, like, his two loves? And it's, like, traps. And Daphne's, like, anything else? Making more traps. <laughs> it's like... I for- yeah, I forgot about that being a thing in the newer series that Fred is essentially sexually attracted to oh, yeah, big time. He also, <laughs> which I know like, has, which I know has <laughs> other meanings, which, if anything, makes it more entertaining to me. He also he does another moment where he looks at his wrist. He's like, "Oh, look at the time. I need to go," and runs off. And Daphne's like, "You're not wearing a watch." Oh, now that's 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 a that's a strong move. That's an it's, alpha move. <laughs> you know, he proposes to her. There's well, a whole plot in sorry, it what? where. Fred proposes to Daphne, and their parents are heavily against it because they're still in high school. Yeah, yeah, you know, which, that makes... Which Scooby-Doo spinoff is this? Monsters this is, Inc. like, the newest series. I think it was airing in, like, 08 onwards. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. Although I don't think it's the newest anymore. There might they be might have made one. another one. They make so many, it's kind of tough to keep track. Fred is such an underrated character in he Scooby-Doo. He really is. Like, he's so easy to overlook because he's so vanilla, but he's so vanilla... That it like it, it becomes really great. All I'm saying is they should bring back the ascot. Absolutely. Did they take away the ascot? No, no. I just mean as a style choice in general for most oh, people. Hell yeah! It yeah. definitely is interesting though. Looking back at the like the original Scooby Doo in the '70s. Oh yeah. Because it, you can see why Shaggy and, and Scooby. There was a while in the early two. Now I'm breaking out my Scooby Doo knowledge. There was a while in like the '90s and 2000s where there were a lot of just Scooby and Shaggy spinoffs, and I think that's because when you look at like the original series, um, they are really the only characters that have much going on in terms of their characters. It's like Fred is the man who says what is going to happen. Daphne is the girl, and sometimes she gets in trouble, and she hangs out with Fred. Velma loses her glasses and is also <laughs> smart. Then it's like, oh, Scooby and Shaggy are the ones who are having fun and going around and running and getting into trouble. Uh, and then, oh, God, I don't remember. I don't know if either of you remember. There was a, I think it was early 2000s, a spinoff series called Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. It sounds familiar, but I can't think of anything. It has, for, I don't remember exactly what it was, but for some reason they have a ton of money. Like a relative dies or something, and Scooby and Shaggy inherit that. And they have like a robot butler, I'm pretty sure. And it's, it is utterly terrible, and the theme song is like ska. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow. But it, that it sounds was, like 
that sounds like the TV show Cat, or like the the three cats that inherit the uh, owner's inheritance and get a butler and do whatever the fuck they want. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Cat Scratch. That was the name of it. It was like this animated show on Nickelodeon where three cats, it was Gordon, Waffle, and Mr. Blink. Mr. Blink, And their old lady owner dies, so she leaves her entire inheritance to the cats, and they just do whatever the fuck they want, and the butler has to serve the cats. And you're telling me that this didn't end up being a massively popular TV show with many seasons? I, dude, all of those Nickelodeon shows, the seasons kind of blend in, so I don't know how many seasons it actually had. Lightning round alert. Who Uh wants to take the lightning round? I'm ready. Give it to me, yeah. Okay, Danny first. Rank from least to most hot the mystery, the mystery, whatever crew. What are they called? Mystery Incorporated. (laughs) Mystery Incorporated gang. Oh my god, Are are you talking about like the live action? Uh, no, cartoon, original cartoon. Oh, I, I, I don't remember what they each look like in the original Oh, I'm ready cartoon. to go. If you need some time oh, to yeah, think, go for it. Sean, you go first. Uh, so I'm doing least, least to most, to most least high. to most, easy, super easy. I'm going to get some hair. Well, no, no, least shaggy. Sorry, whatever they got going on with his hair there, weird. Next. All right, picking shaggy below... A dog. All right. (laughs) I'd I'd hold your comments to yourself for now, Samson. This. (laughs) Anyway, next. Uh, Again, I'm going to get some haters for this. Velma. You might be thinking, that doesn't make any sense. But when she takes her glasses off, her eyes are like tiny black (laughs) dots, soulless voids. Can't do that. Still hotter than Shaggy, though. Next, Daphne. Then right. after that, Fred. Yeah. Which okay. Of course, I, I got I got my list. I, I which think of I course, it out Danny, I'm not done yet. There's one oh, left. There's the wait, number there's... one spot. Oh. There's the number one spot, Danny. Scooby, do. Absolute hottest character, Sean. What are you talking about? He's a dog. All right. Yeah. Well, he's a talking dog. All right. Okay. Yeah. Consciousness. Boom. He's I, the I, most I, human out of any of them, and that's hot right. to me. Uh, so we learned to keep your Great Danes away from Sean. <laughs> if they can um, talk, if they can talk. I love all the gags in the live-action Scooby-Doo where he's in heels. Like, it yeah. happens way more you often think, than you, you expect. You think I'm not considering that in my ranking? Yeah, no, I assume you I were. am. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I figured out my list. Scooby's going last, for sure. <gasps> I'm not a furry. Um, And then I think I got to go like um shaggy above scooby and then daphne then velma i I like i like i like velma's look i I like velma's look above daphne and then fred of course number one absolutely yeah the ascot really does it ideal man shoulders as broad as an interstate like chest like a truck yeah he can plan you know he's gonna set up a great vacation Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Samson, what do you got? Um, I, I rank them all on the same level because I'm not a goddamn weeb and I'm not attracted to cartoon characters. All right, cool. I feel Moving like this on. was a trap. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our uh, bit in, next bit of news so we can wrap this up. Uh, oh, Hello, the TV show. Uh, oh, Hello on Broadway, the mm-hmm. Netflix special, whatever it is. Uh, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney are doing an Oh, Hello podcast. Oh, it's oh, that's ca- cool. It's called Oh Hello the Podcast, skipping out the O. 
And it's basically their whole whole thing. It's like 20-minute episodes, and they're basically trying to pitch to whoever they're talking to a podcast all about where were you on the day Princess Diana died. (laughs) That's the whole plot of it. It's like six episodes, 20 minutes each. I listened to the first one because that was the only one that was out at this time. It's hilarious. Uh, it's, I think it's so funny. That sounds like a great podcast to listen to after listening to an entire episode of Bored and Browsing. Yeah. That's, that's what it seems like to me. That sounds like the perfect follow-up to a full episode of Bored and Browsing. That's you, what I recommend. You go from a bunch, like, three straight white men talking about random stuff to two old straight white men talking about random stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the logical chain of progression. Naturally. Yeah. And then um, speaking on another TV show type podcast, uh, Scrubs is actually doing their own like rewatch podcast. It's called Real Friends Fake Doctors with um, Zach Graff and Donald uh, Gleason. Is that his name? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Know. Basically, it's Turk and JD. And the two of them are like actually best friends. And they played fake doctors who were best friends on the TV show. So they go episode by episode talking about their experience on the show and little behind the scenes and other stuff like that. And I was a huge fan of Scrubs and just recently rewatched it. So I'm really, really enjoying this podcast. I, I think it's super fun. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's so is it like, is it a little bit behind the scenes as well? Or is oh, it yeah. mostly? Yeah. They, yeah the first episode, which was the pilot episode, they did a lot of talking about what their, um, audition process was like and kind of where cool. they were before they got onto the show, what happened as they were auditioning, what the first day was like meeting everybody. Like it is an hour of behind the scenes and then maybe like 25 minutes of them actually talking about events in the show. Hmm. Huh. So pretty cool. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially as they get to like the really heavy episodes that come out. Like they have some episodes that are very sad to watch. So I'm I'm excited for this one. Like I haven't been listening to many podcasts since I've been trapped indoors, but this is one that I've continued listening to. Right. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I gave an update as to who's dating who last week, but um, another edition of this for this week is uh you know who Zach Braff is currently dating? I don't. The I forget her name. Um, the lead actress from Midsummer. Huh. Really? Yeah. Huh. There's like a twenty-something year age difference. Whoa. It is pretty weird. <laughs> Interesting. Um, what's hmm. her name? Florence Pugh. Pew, I don't pew. know. I think is how you pronounce her last name. Pew pew. Pew pew, 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 indeed. Um, speaking of relationships, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard um divorce issues that have been going on lately. Yeah. Uh, so that finally kind of rounded out. Basically, they discovered through numerous investigations that Amber Heard was the one who was physically and uh sexually abusing Johnny Depp, and she's now losing all of her movies, including Aquaman two. She's not going to be in that one. So I I got nothing on this. Just good for them for finding out who is actually responsible for the turmoil going on in their lives. But yeah, she's yeah. she's crazy. It makes me feel bad for Johnny Depp. You know, yeah, cause... like he wasn't standing up for himself. He was just taking it, and it, like I, I I'm I'm glad he's not having to deal with that anymore. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't uh, been in anything for a while, has he? Um, he was in the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean, but he's always in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. 
I know they're yeah. doing a reboot with him really? still as Johnny Depp. With, would you? Or, no, you as mean, him still as uh, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Johnny Depp is introduced as Johnny <laughs> Depp into the Pirates world. Captain Johnny Depp has a ring to it. Captain Johnny Depp does have a ring to it. Yeah, they just reboot the series with uh, Johnny Depp playing himself as the captain of a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Depp gets sent back in time to uh, God. What even? What time was that? Eighteen hundreds? Seventeen hundreds? They were they were still discovering things and a lot of piracy. Yeah, like mermaids. Yeah, <laughs> those just kind of <laughs> fell under the oh, radar. That's right. after it was around the eighteen hundreds. Well, they were hunted into extinction, unfortunately. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Okay. It's just like the Dodos, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I share a piece of news real quick? Yeah. That I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, of course. Um, so, I guess they're making... I don't know how I feel about this, but they're making um, the story of Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, into a miniseries, and Kate McKinnon is slated to play Carol Baskin. Yeah, I heard about really? that. <laughs> yes. I huh. I still haven't seen Tiger King, and I don't know if oh. I want to. I forgot that Tiger King is one of the things I've watched. Tiger King, it's you should watch it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's unbelievable. Frankly, like it's Samson was right. He was talking about it last time. I think that it was sometimes difficult to forget that you weren't watching something made up because it was that <laughs> absurd. All right. I'll, I'll, all right, if, if you guys are both recommending it, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So, all right, let me finish up, let me finish up news. Um, Robin Hood, you know the animated Robin Hood? <laughs> it's, yes. they're getting a live action slash CG remake. <laughs> because clearly all the most recent live action Robin Hoods have done so fucking well for the, the company. Man, the, the last live action Robin Hood was one of the most ridiculous things bad. I've ever seen. Did either of you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. It was bad. Yeah. The entire opening scene where they're playing the Crusades as if they're like a modern war is one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they've got a Gatling crossbow up in the tower. We have to go flank around and then hit them with like a a trebuchet airstrike. It's ridiculous. Here, the flare arrow will tell them where to launch. Like, come on. All I, all I gotta know is, with this Robin Hood live-action CG remake, are they putting all of the, like, Jungle Book-esque animals into it and having them do live-action, quote-unquote, for Robin Hood? Or is it just going to be people playing the animals again and they're just doing a live-action people Robin Hood? I don't know. I, I, from what I've seen, is there's been a lot of jokes about how this is going to be a um, formative experience for some, oh, some no. group of children. Oh, because, oh, of, no. like, because of, like, the weird furry, like, aspect of, like, the original. Um, uh, I, I think the plan, to my knowledge, is to do anthropomorphic animals. Wow. <sighs> <laughs> oh, oh that was an ugly laugh that peaked my audio I'm, we can cut I'm that out so, if you want i'm so done with it just leave robin hood alone that movie's great and then robin hood men in tights is the perfect sub sequel well you know what's actually better than that movie i i don't a whole ton of money <laughs> very true yeah <laughs> Um, so, uh, last two bits of news, Louisiana, the state 
um, when they were calling in people for their lockdown quarantine, used the purge siren. I heard about <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Like, and they had to apologize. Oh, they had to. They had to publicly apologize. I'm. I'm so curious what that must have been like. I would have been terrified. Like, did they? It's, do you I, think they did the announcements with it too? They're like, "This is your lock purge." Lock purge. I don't know. No, I think I saw some video of it, and it was just like police cars driving around, going like. I'm, I'm not gonna no. <laughs> imitate the virgin noise more. All right, let me give it another try. You sound like a whale. There we go. Yeah, I was gonna say you sound like Dory doing whale sounds. All right, let me give it one more try. Purge. I think I got it. Yeah, that time. you got it, dude. That's honestly. Sweet. Like, I can't believe no one was like, oh, that's funny. It's like the purge siren. I hope nothing goes wrong here. <laughs> All right. So for our final bit of news today, um, the Galaxy Quest movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Galaxy Quest. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's having a uh, documentary on Amazon Prime called uh, Never Ab- Surrender. About the movie? Yeah, about the movie. Feels kind of late. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, huh, I like I the movie. So. So we'll see. I like the movie too. It just didn't it come out like twenty years ago at this point. Yeah, I think it came out in the nineties. Huh? Even more than yeah. All right, all right. So that's all the news we got for today. Uh, why don't we dive into what we've been watching? Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go since I don't have too much. I'll just get out of the way. One of the things I watched was Tiger King. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit already. Uh, and we can actually maybe talk about it more if you also watch it, Danny. Okay. But I'm not going to go too into it. Most people who have listened to this have probably already also seen it, so there's no reason for me to try and convince people to watch it. Uh, So I'll just move on. If you haven't seen it, it's absurd. One of the most absurd things I've ever seen in a very entertaining way. Um, Also, I I recently watched The Platform. I don't know that. I watched that too this week. It is a, I believe, Italian movie on Netflix. Uh, And the premise of it is basically that there is this prison... Uh, that is, uh, it's it's vertical, which sounds weird, but so it's a bunch of these floors. They're like concrete rooms with a big hole in the middle. And down that hole lowers a platform with food on it, and there's only one. And so it goes down, down, down all these floors, and, you know, people eat the food as it goes by. So people at the top get like this gourmet meal. But by the time it gets down to the bottom, there's like just scraps and sometimes nothing left. So... It ends up being a lot about, um, sorry, I dropped uh, something. (laughs) It ends up being a lot about, uh, like, class and social mobility. It's kind of on the nose, but it's also really enjoyable, so I definitely would recommend giving it a watch, um, especially, you know, since it's on Netflix, so uh, you don't have to go out of your way at all. Okay. Then there was something else that I watched. Oh, I recently rewatched. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That movie, I love. It's so it just, good. It's the best one. Honestly, yeah. I think it might be. I. It's been a while since I've watched all of them recently, so I, I don't feel necessarily like I can definitively say that it's my favorite, but, oh, man, that movie freaked me out. I saw it in theaters as a child, and, it like, young Sean was not quite ready for the concept of Dementors. Hmm. 
<laughs> it was it was a bit too and the the idea of getting your soul removed. Yeah, uh, I was like, ah. I do think it's kind of interesting how they world build like from the first movie onwards, right? Because the first movie, everything is new. So you're just kind of learning the ins and out. The second one goes into like the lore of Hogwarts. So you learn about like the different heads of house and the hidden chamber secrets. The third one starts branching out and you're learning more about like the villains and the like, uh, where's the place that they go to in the beginning? Like the place in Diagon Alley where he meets up with Fudd. Fudge, whatever. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't remember the name of it off oh, the top of my head. Oh, The Leaky Cauldron? Yeah. yeah. So it's, like, starting to build up, like, England, Diagon Alley, and then the fourth one, you get the other schools, so you learn, like, oh, it's not just them learning magic. And then the fifth one, it's, like, very heavy on, like, the dark side of the mm. force. Not the force. <laughs> the force? <laughs> no, the dark side Uh-oh. of magic. <laughs> and, and same with the sixth one, which goes more into, like, relationships, and then, you know. But it, it's just, it's so cool how the world building goes and i think the third movie is the perfect balance of still learning about new things because you got like the hippogriff and time travel and all that and then also building the world because you have Sirius black and azkaban and you have the um polymorph no not the polymorph the um the people who can turn into animals what's the name of them oh um it's not animorphs i know it's not animorphs but (laughs) that's that's what i wanted to say too uh Gosh, I can't remember the name of it yeah. right now. I keep just thinking Polyjuice Potion because you said uh, Polymorph, but that's, you know, that's the potion. Yeah, and it's obviously. got uh, the Marauder's Map and Hogsmeade. Like, there's so much in that movie that is fantastic. Yeah. Also, like, structurally, it's just such a good story. Oh, yeah. Um, I just feel like it's so structurally sound. It It's... I think it's the best story out of any of them. Yeah. One of my roommates, I think, was telling me that it kind of generated its own theory of time travel. Not, you know, in in a scientific way in any way, but as an idea of, like, how time travel can work in that it's sort of centered around not seeing yourself, but you can still influence your own actions as long as you're unaware of them. Yeah. I You know, that, that may have existed beforehand, but... Back to the future. Harry Potter... Well, Back to the Future had that weird I'm disappearing from a picture thing. Yeah, which... but I thought that was because he was, like, seeing himself. No, it no, wasn't. I'm he... thinking of a different no, movie. No, yeah. Uh, and he doesn't interact with himself. Yeah. He interacts with his parents. He almost gets uh, a little a little too smoochy with his mom there. But, right. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, and I, it just, it's, yeah, it's a really tight, well-paced movie that it keeps the, the beats coming really fast and... Definitely is one of the cleanest time travel movies I've ever seen, which is weird to think yeah. of a Harry Potter movie as a time travel movie, but it is. I also love how they never so. touch on it again, and it's never used yeah. again. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're just going to save two lives and never any others ever again. We can stop Voldemort from rising, but no, we're we're just not going to. Apparently, somewhere in the books, they explain it a little bit, but it's still, you know, very much like uh, this is a plot convenience thing rather than, yeah, you know, something that actually makes oh, perhaps sense. I totally forgot. Time travel is a central plot point in The Cursed Child. The, is it really? Yeah, the um, play that uh, J.K. Rowling created mm-hmm. for uh, the son of Harry and the son of Draco. Huh. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, like the whole thing is that I still um, got to read that. It's it's a good book. I actually saw the play of it, which is what the book is. It's like taken like every single stage direction is put into the book. It, it's it's literally like they took the script and put it into a novel. Um, Interesting. But I, I read it 
or I didn't read it. I saw the play. It's a two night experience. Like you can't, they can't do it in one night because of how much detail is there. And it had one of the coolest visual effects that I've ever seen in a show. Like, I don't know how they did it, but they made an entire wall like shake and kind of vibrate as like waves do. And I've Hmm. never seen any production of any kind do something similar. That's not a movie. That's yeah, it was it was amazing. Okay, so Sean, is there anything else that you saw? Uh, that's that's pretty much the majority of it. Yeah. Okay, I'll also talk about my list because it was pretty short too. Uh, watch Community, or I am watching Community. I'm mm-hmm. um, up to like, oh, it's so good. I'm up to halfway through season five, which is the farthest I've ever watched because I stopped. Um, I I've never watched season four until recently. And I never watched any episode aside from the one where Donald Glover leaves. Um, like the, the two episodes, like the Pierce's funeral and Donald Glover leaving. Those were the two I watched in season five. But, oh, my God, I forgot how incredible Ooh. this show oh. is. Spoilers. I did not know that Pierce died. Oh, sorry. They, that was just him being written out of the show because they didn't like Chevy Chase. It wasn't like a central plot point. It was more like, oh, yeah, Pierce is dead. How do we or Pierce isn't coming back on stage because we don't like Chevy Chase and don't want him in the show. How yeah. do we explain that? It sucks. So that, like, it wasn't like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it like sucks that he was so hard to work with because I think Pierce is like one of the most interesting characters in that show. And I feel yeah. like it was probably like Chevy Chase's like perfect character because I, from stories I've heard about Chevy Chase, I don't think that that character's, I think that character is almost like a caricature of Chevy Chase without intending to be one. Um, so you mean racist, sexist, and an asshole? Yes. If like he like came back to SNL, I think in like the nineties and like was like basically like told everybody that they weren't scathing enough and like like is like made some joke about like some skinny like writer in the writers' room having AIDS and like this kind of stuff. Ooh. It's like yeah, he like. He, he like, he's very much a, a product of a different time, and I'm not saying yeah. that in a way that, like, I mean, like, it's okay because he's from a different time. I mean, like, he never grew as a person, and he holds it against other people for not being as, like, you know, offensive as he is. He's he's a weird, weird guy. Yeah. But, yeah, so it wasn't like that they like killed him off in the show it was just more they had to explain it and the easiest explanation was that he's dead okay that makes yeah, sense so he he like stopped showing up in anything in season five and they did his like his departure was really early on into season five mm. and then over time he just stops getting as many plot points okay so they, they slowly like worked his way out of the show it, it wasn't like a major spoiler it's just chevy chase left the show at this point okay do you mind yeah. uh if we work through the timeline of that show together real quick in the sense that like so first three seasons dan Harmon's like so, running the show yes. right and then he's so the gone first three for- seasons it's dan Harmon, the russo brothers and dino stephanopoulos okay who is the guy who plays starburns okay yeah, so it's the four of them working very heavily together on this show. And it is it is an incredible first three seasons. I think the second season is its peak. Yeah, I remember. And then like really the third season has episodes that are really great. 
Um, and then what happened was um, Dino left, which is why they killed like 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 they killed off the Starburns yeah. character. Um, so he left the show. Dan Harmon got pushed out of the show. Mm-hmm. The Russo brothers had already left at that point because they were working on, I think, Arrested Development okay. was the project they were working on. Um, or they might have been working on it concurrently and then chose to go somewhere else. Don't know exactly what happened with them. But Dan Harmon gets pushed out by the network. Um, he isn't there with them when they make season four. Mm-hmm. So season four was like 13 episodes. Not that great. And they didn't have Dan Harmon as a part of it. And you can tell. Yeah, I stopped like, watching during season four. Like, I watched yeah. it as it came out, and I quit during season four. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of, like, fan backlash about the show, and they clearly saw in the ratings. They were able to make an agreement with Dan Harmon. He came back for the fifth season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets- so did uh, Dino Stephanopoulos. He also came back. Okay, and then season six is the Yahoo season yeah right? season six so uh nbc who i think was the one that was airing yeah, community was. yeah they dropped the show it got picked up by yahoo and e an attempt to make a streaming service yeah. and it had a singular season which i haven't watched so i don't know how it is um but it was it was apparently not great enough to continue or the yahoo service died but the whole like quote that's been going on in the show for years is like six seasons in a movie yeah. So there's still a lot of like fan petitions to get community a movie, which they might do. Like a lot of people have expressed interest in doing it, including the actors, Dan Harmon, the Russo brothers. Like, yeah, a lot of people want to work on this project again. But that's essentially the timeline of community. OK, cool. Huh. Yeah. Um, But the show is fucking incredible. Like the first three seasons are beautiful. They're I so love the good. way they're written. There's so many lines in there that I just I didn't even remember as being hilarious like there's a part where um joel McHale, um his character is trying to convince donald glover's character to start up football again and he's explaining he's a disgraced lawyer joel McHale. he he's explaining how he drives past the courtroom because every day he wants to go back to the court and donald glover's just looking at me he's like and he's like so do you get what i'm saying and donald glover's like yeah so you want me to become a lawyer all right <laughs> got it and it's like no 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 that's not and also, like, all the Troy and Abed more, uh, moments yeah. in, like, the cold endings. Oh, those are stellar. The characters are just, like, so well-designed. And, like, yeah, it's such a treat, like, when you haven't seen a... When a character hasn't gotten an arc in a few episodes. And you get, like, uh, like a huge... You know, like, if you haven't had an Abed arc in a few episodes and you get an Abed arc. Or, like, you yeah. can really apply that to any character. And it's, it's so exciting. Um because they're all so distinct and uh you know it, it's it's just so fun to watch them in any given situation yeah there's no bad i would say character. this is a show yeah there there is no bad bad character like they are bad people at times but there is no bad character or poorly written character yeah. hmm. i think the other interesting part is all of the characters are very heavy tropes yeah right so you like that is even their character description. Like you've got the asshole ex-lawyer, you have the activist uh, female love interest, you have like the nerdy uh, film guy who's super meta. Like all of their character tropes are who they are, but it doesn't feel like they're cliches. Mm-hmm. It it's just the each character is so beautifully written and ties in with the other ones, and they have they all have great chemistry with each other. I think the whole cast works phenomenally with each other. 
and it blends them so well that you don't even realize like how much has been going on in a single episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's also the dean too. Oh my the god, the dean is hilarious. Is the dean? Yeah, he's, he's so great. Um, but yeah, no, I I highly recommend this show, and after rewatching it, still continue to highly recommend yeah, it. I at really, least the first. I three really got to watch it. Yeah, dude, it's on Netflix. Watching it without commercials is so nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's one of the shows I've been watching a lot. I've been watching a uh, Last Man on Earth. Oh, how is that? The the Will Forte show. It's not great. <laughs> Um, the first episode I think is really funny where it's just Will Forte doing whatever he wants with a post-apocalyptic beard. And then they start introducing like more characters and the second season is definitely where the show peaks. Um, hmm. but by this point in the fourth season, cause I just figured I'd finish it up. I, I didn't really want to, but I'm just trying to get through it at this point in the show. It like, it's so heavy on family dynamics that it kind of takes away from the fact that they're the last people on earth. Mm. So like what like the characters are like calling each other mom and like married and shit. And it's such a like family dynamic based show that it, it kind of lost what drew me into it initially. I think I watched just the first few episodes of that. When do you off the top of your head remember when it aired first? I don't No, but I feel like I remember watching the beginning of it. And then definitely as more characters started getting introduced, I was like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah, this isn't the last man on Earth. Well, that's the issue, right? You can't write a whole show with a single character. Yeah. Well, so There's I mean, a limit to what you can I guess do. I shouldn't have been surprised. But at the same time, it definitely felt yeah. like, hmm, all right, this is definitely it's going in a different direction. Well, the other thing is Will Forte's character is such a horrible person in the first season. <laughs> That, like, the whole second season is him trying to redeem himself and building back up those relationships, which is why it's so good. Gotcha. So there, there's just, like, a lot of great moments. Will Forte, in particular, um, has some really funny lines in the second and third season. But overall, it's not a great show, and I really don't recommend it. Noted. Yeah. Um, last two things. Uh, Dave, the TV show, it's holding up. It's really good still, and now I do recommend it a lot. Like, I really am enjoying it a significant amount. Um, mm. I think the issue is it's still going to be compared to Atlanta, and it always will be compared to Atlanta because Atlanta was one of the first that did what this niche genre of a rapper um, trying to make a career is. But it's it's good. Dave is really good, and I really do recommend it. Hell yeah. I'll have to check that out. I have been interested um, yeah. So I'll probably try to check that out in the next week. And then the final thing I watched, I watched Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. Oh. How did you like it? It was trash. It was actually terrible, and I'm so confused at where the good ratings came from. See, I didn't... Th I, I hadn't heard anything about... I, all I heard about it was that it was not great. Yeah. And so it, I'm, it curious, I'm curious what... I mean, I assumed it wasn't going to be very good just because they were trying to build off of anything that Suicide Squad set up, which is such a mistake. But yeah. so what what about it was so wrong? You know, because I've heard nothing. Harley Quinn attempted to become Deadpool. Hmm. There was fourth wall breaks. There's you know, you know how in the first Deadpool movie you start hearing the story of him and then he like goes back to a week ago and then it leads back up to the bridge. 
Yeah. It, they yeah. tried to mimic that kind of storytelling, but did too many cuts back. So in the beginning, it's all over the place. Um, then it's finally they're doing a bit of dynamic with Margot Robbie and this kid, and that's really good. Like that's definitely the best part of the movie is their two relationship. But it's just it's a sloppy movie. The characters are rushed. They're shoehorned together for literally no reason. The villain has a plot that's like okay and doesn't even need to be there. All I'm saying is the Harley Quinn TV show did what this movie could have done infinitely better even the plot for that tv show would have made a better movie for this which is harley quinn breaks up with the joker starts her own crew and tries to take over gotham yeah in this movie it's like harley quinn breaks up with the joker has no life plan is forced into doing a job and then eventually there's a semi crew that forms but she's not even a part of it at the end it's just like what sounds perfect oh my god and that's not even, not even like spoilers. That's just the direction <laughs> they want to take movies. They, they're like, we're going to make a Birds of Prey something at the end of this, but it's not with Harley Quinn. Mm, weird. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. It was just a terrible movie. And I guess I can see why people rated it highly because they're comparing it to other DC movies. You know what? Yeah, that's fair. Some of those yeah. DC movies are so abysmal that <laughs> mm-hmm. Justice League and uh, Man of Steel come to mind. Uh, also, or the, I should the, say, Batman versus Superman is the one. Isn't there also another Superman movie? There were two those? Supermans. I, there was, there were two. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really couldn't tell you. That all was I bad. know is, is just I. All I can view in my mind right now is Superman and Zod like bouncing around a city, destroying buildings. Suicide Squad like, was bad. Like, is are people dying right now? Am I supposed <laughs> to be taking that Superman flying through this building? Is he killing people as this happens? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> What I think my top three DC superhero films of recent are Shazam at number one, um, Aquaman is number two, and Wonder Woman is number three. Yeah. For me, I think I haven't seen Shazam, but Wonder Woman and Aquaman are both up there for me. I'm not actually sure which I would put first. But Aquaman, I was surprised how much fun I had with Aquaman. I, w- I, I was too. It. I was pleasantly surprised. I saw Aquaman in theaters, and I thought it was really fun to look at, but it was <laughs> so poorly written. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that that's not that's not taking, like, I, I think we're not disagreeing with that point. It's yeah. just more like, in terms of the other ones, it, it stands out. Yeah. And I have to say that the first fight scene between, oh, my God, I forget, I forget the mother's name. It's, it's, it's like his parents and just all the... Atlantean oh, guards yeah. that come to get him is yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's, I think, oh, I just thought it used space really well. But again, yeah, visually quite stunning. Mm-hmm. Story definitely left a few things, uh, <laughs> a few things, few things kind of like, hmm. Yeah, I think I lost brain cells every time they said Ocean Master. <laughs> <laughs> ocean Master. I also love the opening scene and every time he like, takes a step you hear the guitar rip it's like (laughs) (laughs) he drops an awful awful one-liner also very quickly before samson gets to talk about his stuff shazam's a good movie i had a lot of fun with it it's got like a great family dynamic going on because they're all adopted Hmm. and it's like it, it shows on the foster program and also zach levy uh does a phenomenal job as shazam because he, he plays a 10 or whatever age the kid's supposed to be, like 14, 15 year old in the body of an adult. 
so beautifully. Like there, there's a childlike whimsy to Zach's, uh, Zach Levy's performance. I watched the first five minutes on HBO and I just never got around to like watching more. Uh, but this like that does make me want to keep watching it. Yeah, it, it's slow to start out. But as soon as he gets his powers, you're just like, oh, OK, all right, I see why people like this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Samson, what have you been watching? So um, I'll try to go kind of quick because I got I've watched a lot um, to start. I watched um, they added Onward to Disney Plus. Mm. Um, so I checked that out. I was really excited for it. I love fantasy. Um, it was like pretty good, but there was just something lacking. There is for, for something like that. So based around magic, it felt like it was really lacking that kind of Pixar magic to it. Um, mm. I felt like the story was a little bit bland. Um, it's still a solid movie. I recommend checking it out. It's just like, especially like coming off of like, Coco and Inside Out, like, it looks really weak when you, like, put it side by side with Coco. Um, Hot take. I didn't think Coco was that great. Really? I I thought it was visually and musically stunning, but the story was, eh. You are un poco loco, Danny. (laughs) See, like, I don't cry at movies, and that movie made me cry. Like, I could probably count on, like, less than... I, I, I wouldn't even need all the fingers on one hand to count the movies that have made me cry in that movie. That movie gets me every time. Yeah, Coco, um, Coco made me cry too. I was shocked. Yeah, for once I don't have a heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I, that movie's great. Honestly, but, this sounds really, really corny, but I, I feel like a part of it is just that I've and I ha- not as recently. I, I haven't made as much music, but there was a certain part of it that just like the joy of making music that I made me think back to when I used to, you know, play an instrument a lot more and be like, wow, yeah, like it does, it feels really good to perform and, you know, do something that you're passionate about, even if other people aren't supporting it and even more enjoyable when they are supporting it. I don't know. It. I really enjoyed the, the part about talking about what it meant to be a musician. Yeah. Uh, not that I consider myself a musician, but like, it, I don't know, that, that part just spoke to me in particular. Okay. Um, sorry, I had a brain fart. <laughs> it just happened. I just my brain stopped working. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like Coco really does have like that, like element of of magic and whimsy and just like it makes you feel something. And I don't know, like I think the music's great and it 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 has a great um, message about like how music can connect and all of that stuff. Um, and family. And I lo- yeah, and yeah, the family stuff. I I don't know. I always really like anything with ghosts for the most part too, or mm. like um, spirits. And I, I I thought that that was a huge part of it for me. Just like everything, all of the elements play together for like a really huge emotional payoff. I feel like all the way through. Um, yeah. And I feel like Onward tries to go for the same like the whole movie's about. Um, Chris Pratt um, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tom Holland's older brother and they're both elves and they find out that their deceased father uh, left them a, uh, a magical staff to uh, bring back uh, bring him back for one day um, so far what you're saying sounds no different than real life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this sounds like my fan fiction actually <laughs> 
Um, and basically, they they bring back only they they mess up the spell and they only bring back half of their the lower half of their dad from the waist down. Which I mean, obviously, is the part that matters the most. But like, um, <laughs> I bet the mom approves. Yeah, right. Um, so they go and they try to find another magical crystal so they can complete the spell. And it's it's. Um, it sounds like a really great premise, but there's just like something lacking. Uh, I'll move on though. Um, I, I still recommend watching it. Um, I enjoyed watching it. It's just, again, uh, you know, matched up against some of the more recent movies. It doesn't hold up necessarily. Um, yeah. I heard the major issue was you can't make an attraction to a pair of pants. Yeah. Like it, it's tough to feel love for pants. Yeah, and and I feel like they they start off strong with like making you want this dad to come back, and eventually it's like I want to see him, but like they're they're not making me feel anything for this. Yeah, exactly. They're not making me feel anything for this pair of pants. <laughs> um, but uh, to move on, uh, I also watched. Um, there's this movie uh, called The Goods. Um, it's on Netflix. It. Uh, it's a comedy starring uh, Jeremy Piven, um, who plays a he he's a he's the head of a crew that gets called in to car dealerships when they need to move cars, <laughs> um, and it stars Jeremy Piven. Um, I always forget her name, uh, but she is the sister that uh, John C. Riley has an affair with in Step Brothers. Uh, oh, they're the the bro- the brother's wife. Uh, she's part of the crew. Um, Ving Rames is another part of the crew, and so is uh, David Ketchner. Um, so it's like the four of them, and then it also stars like Ed Helms. Uh, is it uh, Catherine Hahn? Yes, it's Catherine Hahn. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also stars um, like a bunch of different people. Um, again, Ed Helms is in there for uh, as a side character. Um, Will Ferrell makes an appearance. Like hmm. it's produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, actually. It's, um, it's, you know, it's a raunchy, hard R, like, uh, a comedy, but, and it didn't get great reviews, but it made me laugh. I thought it was pretty funny and entertaining. Um, oh, also, uh, Ken Jeong's also in it, and so is, uh, uh, Rob Riggle and Buster from Arrested Developments in it. Like, there's just, like, I, 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 I'll stop name dropping, but, um, if you're just looking for something funny and, uh and kind of mindless uh i'd say watch it um sean do you know who jeremy piven is nope have you ever seen entourage nope all right well he's (laughs) the agent in entourage uh yeah okay it doesn't mean anything to me (laughs) Uh, he also has a whole movie about about his son uh, wanting to have a bar mitzvah (laughs) oh yeah right continue (laughs) okay um so that that's pretty good, and like the the whole crux of the movie too is that like Jeremy Piven's character is like broken after uh, some event that they refer to as Kirky, um, and it's like he's never been the same after Kirky. So it's like it's kind of fun in that sense. It's very like heightened melodrama in a comic way, um, which I really appreciate. Um, I wasn't feeling claustrophobic enough, uh, all pent up in my apartment, so I watched Room and had a panic attack. Um, <laughs> nice. it's really good. It's really, really good. But, um, you know, if, if you're feeling kind of cooped up, I would not recommend watching room. Um, it's yeah. also just stressful and upsetting on its own. Uh, 
But it's it's a beautiful, beautiful movie, and it's um, so well made. Brie Larson is incredible. Jacob Trombley, is that how you say his name? No idea. Um, he he's he's amazing too. Um, I know it came out like four years ago now, but um, it's so good. And the screenplay was actually adapted by the author of the book. Um, oh, it's okay. it's one of the best book adaptations I've seen. I've never read the book, but um, <laughs> I can say that like you you can like it has the feel of like that kind of that like kind of laid back style of you know novelistic writing um, and that kind of pacing without it getting boring. Um, it, it, it's just so well done. Um, if, if you're just like looking for something that you know is going to be good, um, I, I recommend watching Room. Again, uh, what you watch it on? Uh, that is on Netflix right now. Oh, um, gotcha, gotcha. Also, A24. Um, hey! <laughs> Midsommar! Um, moving on, I'm going to uh, talk about real quick, the I watched The Nice Guys. Um, oh, that's a good movie. It's really good. I uh, they finally they added it to HBO now. Um, it's about um, Russell Crowe, who is a um, he basically beats up people for money. Um, you can hire him to like rough somebody up if they're giving you a hard time, and um, uh, he's an enforcer. He, yeah, he's an enforcer. And then um, also uh, Ryan Gosling actually plays comic relief and emotes in this movie, which is really cool. He um, he plays a really crappy private eye, um, and they kind of team up together to find um, this missing woman. Uh, and it's pretty funny. It's a great, like, action comedy, but primarily, like, uh, a crime mystery. Um it's written by the dude who wrote Lethal Weapon um, hmm. and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, which now I want to see because of this. I've never seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but I hear they're similar vibes. Um, it's highly underrated. Not enough people talk about how good this movie is, and it's really good. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I, I was thoroughly entertained the entire time. Um, and then uh, to wrap up, um, I've been on a Noah Baumbach kick lately. Um, <laughs> Noah Baumbach uh, wrote and directed um, Marriage Story, which is his most recent movie. Um, but I've been going back and watching him, watching some of his older stuff. Also, fun fact about Noah Baumbach is uh, he's married to uh, Greta Gerwig, who uh, I never shut up about because of Little Woman. Um, she <laughs> adapted and directed Little Women. She also wrote and directed Lady Bird. Um, oh, I know her. And uh, her big breakout role was in a movie called Francis Ha, which she co-wrote with Noah Baumbach, and he directed. And uh, I watched it, like, in the last uh, week, and it's so good. It's so good. It's on Netflix. Uh, I actually listened to, um, gonna bring back up Danny McBride again, but um, Danny McBride, I was listening to an interview with him, and he said that Francis Ha changed the way that he uh, shoots comedies now. Um, he used to say, uh, he, he said that, um, he used to be open to improv, but then he watched Francis Ha was so sure that most of it was improv found out that the entire thing was scripted and found out that you could get, um, a really authentic, natural and funny, um, delivery from written material that he had never seen, uh, uh, uh until he watched Francis Ha and it changed the way he looked at writing comedy. Um, it's so authentic and the acting is so good and the dialogue Noah Baumbach just Baumbach is maybe one of the best uh writers in terms of dialogue that I have seen uh in like 
I, I don't know. I, I can't think of anybody else that has such incredible, authentic sounding dialogue while also being really funny. Um, yeah, that was what I loved about Marriage Story was the dialogue. Yeah, it's... And, and the way he, like, puts things... Like, he gives every scene, like, a gimmick without, like, making it seem like a gimmick. Like, um... It's a focal point. Yeah, it's... He's just... He's so... He's just such a good writer. And Frances Ha is all about... Greta Gerwig is in her late 20s, and she's trying to make it as a dancer in New York City. And um, all her friends are kind of moving on uh, to the next stages of her life, and she's still kind of a mess and trying to hang on to becoming a dancer. Um... It's a really, really, I, I don't know, like, I'm in my mid-20s, like, I thought it was, like, a really interesting story, um, and it kind of resonated with me. I thought it was incredible. And then um, I watched um, another one of his movies called The Meyerowitz Stories, uh, which stars um, Dustin Hoffman plays the father of three children who are all step-siblings. They're all from a different marriage. Um and Adam Sandler plays uh, his son. His other son is played by uh, Ben Stiller. And I can't remember the actress that plays his daughter, but it's all about them uh, and their really complicated um, relationship to their father who is like, uh, he's a sculptor that never made it and he's just an asshole. And um, it's them trying to like figure out how to love and care for their father who's just like a very eccentric artist that, um, who's very bitter and pretentious. Uh, and huh. it's, again, very funny. Um, it almost like feels like a stage play in the way that it's written. Um, but again, it's got that style of like, it's still very funny, uh, but very heartfelt and uh, dramatic at the same time. So anyways, that's that's all I got um, for, I say all I got, but that was six <laughs> movies I just listed off. I, I would um, honestly say that based on the casting of Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, and Ben Stiller, the logical choice for the daughter would have to be Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> just based on who you got already. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> Man, too bad they can't go back and recast. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, the, the, the one who plays the daughter is incredible, though. I just want to. I'm sure. Say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why don't we wrap up today with the uh, why should you care? Um, do you guys have stuff for this or not really? Because I got a movie picked out that I think would go well, so I can go first. All right. Yeah. Sure. Go cool. For it. Um, does someone want to time me? Let me pull up a timer. I think we're saying that we should time ourselves oh, because of we're... audio delay. Okay, I will I will time oh, yeah, myself no. then. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let me pull up the time. In three, two, one. Let me take you to The Birdcage. Now, The Birdcage is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are a couple who run a drag show in Miami. Their uh, son, who I believe was Robin Williams' son from a previous marriage... Um, is bringing home his to-be fiancé to meet his parents. Uh, At the same time, his fiancé's parents want to meet Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Uh, The fiancé's parents are very Republican and super anti-gay. So Nathan Lane has to dress up in drag, pretend he is a woman, and they have a family dinner while trying to hide every single thing that relates them to drag and gay life. And it is one of the best family comedy dynamics that I have ever seen. Nathan Lane and Robin Williams steal the fucking show. 
and it's just such an incredible movie. Highly recommend it. And that's a minute. Hmm. So, would you guys watch The Birdcage? Yeah, that sounds really entertaining. Oh, man. Yeah. It's great. Um, I've actually seen it, so I have the opportunity to to rebut that, but I'm not even going to do it because it is an incredible movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I could come up with the reasons to not watch that movie. It's so good. Oh, my God. The, um, the manservant, the guy who's, like, cooking their food... I forget yes. his name. Played by Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Okay. So Hank Azaria's character is incredible in this movie too. Like there there isn't a bad performance, I would say. It's so good all yeah. the way through. Every single performance is incredible. Yeah. All right. So who would like to go next for Why Should You Care? Uh, I can go next. All right. Uh, go for all it. Right, let me just pull up my timer. I also real quick. I totally realized we we forgot to um, explain how why should I care works. I just assume at this point that if people have been watching consistently, they <laughs> know. Yeah. But if you don't know <laughs> what this game is, um, go check out one of our previous episodes where we play it at the end because I give explanations about it every week. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to start in three, two. One. All right, so uh, this time I'm going to try and convince you to play a game, a game that I've been playing a lot lately, call, lot lately called Call of Duty War Zones. Now, honestly, one of the biggest sellers of this is that it's completely free. It is a battle royale that uses Call of Duty mechanics, obviously, and this is called Call of Duty War Zones. Uh, and it has singles, trios, and quads, so no matter what the size your friend group is, as long as it's under four, you're going to have an opportunity to play. Um, and it's it's the Call of Duty kind of fighting mechanics, I think, are pretty clean. And what's annoying about them in regular games, like dying quickly and stuff, is sort of fixed, I think. Not fixed, but a little bit improved in the uh, battlegrounds, the battle royale experience and i think it's honestly just a really fun free-to-play game that's worth your time when you're not doing much over quarantine and that is a minute cool all right two questions that i have one um do you need the call of duty base game in order to play this uh technically you have to download it but it's it's free still okay so the call of duty base game is free it's well no no the base game isn't free but when you download uh war zones it includes like the multiplayer in it so that if you buy it from there you instantly can play to my knowledge and then the second i understand it which answers the questions you need live in order to use it right yeah you need you need uh you need whatever your console's internet is unless you're on computer what's cool and sean didn't say is um uh, sorry, I'm helping you out with your pitch. I'm breaking the <laughs> rules a little bit, but it's cross-platform, so you can play with oh, your yeah. friends uh, on Xbox, PlayStation, or computer if you have any one of those. Well, that that actually just sold to mention, it to me. Then that was that was the only I issue I was to gonna have. We should totally the, play it then. The, it has yeah. the Gulag system, which uh, when you die, if you die within, I think it's something like the first. 20 minutes or so, you get a chance to come back. They put you in a prison with one enemy, and you both have, like, a pistol or a shotgun, and then whichever kills the other gets a second life. Huh. So it's 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 also in that way kind of unpunishing, because let's say you do something dumb, like drive your car off of, you know, into a river, something, you get killed, you feel stupid, you have a chance to redeem yourself, which is pretty nice. But that's all for me. Cool. Then, yeah, I would definitely check it out. It sounds like Samson has played it. Yeah. All right. Um, Samson, do you want to do yours? Yeah. Cool. 
Yes. What am I going to pitch? I'm thinking. Give me 10 <laughs> I seconds. I chose War Zones in the last minute. I was like, ah! Dude, you should have chosen one of the movies you watched. I know. I was... <laughs> um, I, I watched another movie. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. It's going to be bizarre. But let's do it. All right. You you do your timer, right? right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and away we go. All right. Have you ever wanted a hard-boiled detective drama that spans multiple decades? Then you should watch season one and season one only of True Detective. Uh, I'm watching it for my fourth time right now. Uh, it's got some of the best acting I've ever seen. It stars Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. I did not even like Matthew McConaughey before this. And uh, by the end of it, I thought he was one of the best actors I've ever seen. Um, it stars two detectives that try to solve a string of murders that spans for th- three decades. Um, and you get to watch the growth of these characters over the, th- over the th- course of 30 years as they try to solve this case and see how it breaks them down and also see how they break themselves down with their destructive habits. Um, and uh, it's, it's some of the best drama I have ever seen um, in some incredible pacing. Only eight episodes, too. All hmm. done. And I can watch that oh, on... timer going uh, on. That's why I just did a stopwatch um, and not a timer. And I can watch that on HBO, right? Yes. Is that the one where Woody Harrelson has sex with uh, Alexandra Daddario? Yes. Okay. Then I do know what it is, and I will watch it. Not because of that, but more because I, I want to <laughs> oh, watch, watch something that will convince me to really, really like Matthew McConaughey. Because right now, he I kind of think he's all right, all right, all right. I think he wrote like a... I, I think I read that he wrote, I believe, a 50-page paper on... Anal- like analyzing his character and it's like part of the reason he was hired to wow. like he got hired in that role because he, wow, cool. he took it so seriously um, All right, I, thought, I always thought he was kind of a joke before that but like which sounds mean I didn't think he was a joke but like I, I knew him from like rom-coms and it was crazy to see him in something like this Yeah, you know the one thing I have to say it sounds like they're not very good detectives if it's taking them so many decades to catch <laughs> this killer just gonna, gonna put that out there yeah, mm-hmm. they they might not be good, but they're true. They are true. <laughs> <laughs> they're true and just. All right, All so right. that's been this week's episode of Board and Browsing. Uh, why don't we do some shout-outs to end it off? Uh, I'll do the first shout-out. Uh, I'm going to give the shout-out to my brother, Connor McGarry. It's his birthday today, and I'm going to be uh, calling him actually just after this podcast. Happy birthday, so Connor. Happy birthday, Connor. Yeah, when this, who knows when this episode will come out? Probably not today so you know doesn't matter I hope happy you're birthday enjoying, ho- yeah hope you're enjoying being uh 20 nice samson um shout out to danny oh for being <gasps> such a lovely host oh and always looking like a solid 10 oh hey samson hmm you're a simp <laughs> oh okay sean <laughs> um so I guess my shout outs, uh, what I'm going to do is my hot takes for High School Musical, the musical, the series season two. Right. So I'm just going to shoot out a couple hot takes. Number one, EJ is going to get cast as Beast, which is going to cause a love conflict and become his redemption arc. Because let's face it, he sucked at the end of the first season. Number two, there's going to be a gay love scene between Cogsworth and Lumiere. 
calling it now. I think it's going to happen. And number three, Big Red is going to be put in a love triangle between Ashlyn and the robotics teacher. But it's not going to be the two of them fighting for his love. It's theater and robotics. Boom. Those are my takes. All right. Um, so that's it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. I know it's a bit long, but hopefully this will give you some enjoyment and things to watch during quarantine. But as always, I'm Danny. I'm Sean. I'm Samson. And we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.